Look at the next statement where it says, for your sakes, he became poor. Who are we talking about here in the scripture? Well, this scripture is talking about Jesus. Did you know that at one time there was this guy? He lived on another planet. It's called heaven. And he was rich. I mean, he owned everything. He owned the whole universe. All kind of power, have anything he wanted. And he left glory and came into this world and humbled himself as a man. And though he was rich, he became poor that we, through his poverty, might be made rich. Why did he do all of that? He was rich, but he became poor that we, through his poverty, might be made rich. Who would have ever figured that Jesus Christ, when he came into this world, would have probably had to be on food stamps? Well, I don't think so. He just makes some bread. But now notice that verse. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, he only lived here for a short period of time, and through his poverty. We don't know if he ever owned a home. Did he have a Mercedes? He didn't have one. He said, well, did he have a triumph? I don't know. His triumph was heard throughout the land. It'll be a long day. Look at the next statement. She cast in all that she had. Now, the Bible says this is what Jesus did. So Jesus goes to the temple there, and he's against the treasury, and he's going to watch. You know what he's going to watch? He's going to see how much money people put in to the offering. Do you think he came this morning? He said, was the Lord here this morning? Sure was. I brought him. Now, is the devil here? Yeah, you might have brought him. <laughs> but yes, the Lord came this morning. Do you believe that God was watching the offering this morning? Do you think he was watching the song service? Sing unto the Lord, and everyone that hath voice, let him praise the Lord. Did you sing this morning? Was God watching? Or here you are, up here, so you, he pouring out his heart, getting everybody to sing, and here you are. Praise the Lord. I am. Are you happy in the Lord? Yeah. Now, I know that wasn't you because everybody here sings. Next Sunday, we're going to be watching. And we're going to have the cameras rolling because I want those people to watch all y'all smiles. Now, but what about this treasury business? Was God watching to see how much they put in the offering? He was watching. God that created heaven and earth, the one that doesn't need a dime from anybody. But see, we give because it's like a thermometer of our love for the Lord. It's a thermometer of our faith that we have in the Lord. Because it shows that we trust the Lord and that we believe that I can plant some in God's work and trust the Lord to give back whatever he wants me to have. Did you know that, and I believe this, a lot of people don't. I get criticized all the time. Whatever they gave under the law, if they wanted to give 10%, I'm not under the law. I don't have to give anything. But I don't want people under the law to give more than what I will give under grace. So I would say that's a good place to give. That's a good measure to give, whatever you want to do. So I've always made sure I've always given more than a 10%. Always. My whole Christian life. Why? Because I just don't want somebody under the law to outdo me. Now, you can have your own reason, your own motive. But I thought, what kind of work could we do for the Lord if everybody did give to the Lord what they believed that that's what God wants them to do? 
Now, now look at this verse. And Jesus said over against the treasure and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. He was watching. And many that were rich cast in much. Evidently, we don't have any rich people in our church. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. No, but God has been good to us. He really has. And uh, we, we've got, he said, how are you doing financially? Well, we're keeping our nose above the waterline so that our feet don't drown. So, but uh, God has blessed us and uh, we thank the Lord for it. But now look at the next statement. Where it said, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow. Now, wait a minute. Jesus knew this woman was a widow. Uh, Jesus knew this woman was poor. And he watched him. So he wrote out a check and gave it to her for $5,000. No, he didn't do anything. And she threw in two mites. I mean, as little as she had. Which make a farthing. And then it says, He called unto him his disciples, and he said unto them, Verily I send you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. This woman who only gave just a small pittance, a couple pennies, she gave more than those rich folks. And they gave a lot. But says she gave more. Because see, they gave out of their abundance and she gave all that she had. She was poor. She was a widow. She gave all that she had. Now, was somebody watching this? God knew this. Do you think she did that just so Jesus would say this about her? I doubt it. Do you believe that whenever she gets to heaven, God's going to reward her for what sacrifice she made? But now notice. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Now, nobody told her to do that. You see, nobody can make you sacrifice everything that you have. Nobody can make you you can be as dedicated to God as you want to be. But you don't point fingers at somebody else who doesn't do exactly what you do, but everybody ought to do something. Everybody that knows Christ as Savior should serve the Lord. Everybody should carry tracts and witness for the Lord. You should, but you may not. Some will do more than others. But God says also in His Word, Be it unto you according to your faith. Be it unto you according to your faith. Your rewards in heaven is going to be unto you according to your faith. Your blessings in life could probably be according to your faith. What do you trust God for? Are you willing to step out on a limb? Remember, out on that limb is where the fruit is. The fruit's not on the trunk. I mean, I go pick apples. <laughs> they run all over the trunk. Or out there on the limb. You know how I used to get plums? I climbed the tree and get out of there as far as I could on the limb. And I would sit there and I would eat these great big old plums. I mean, good. They, were, they grew in the cemetery. And for some reason or another, the ground was really enriched. And these cherries, wild cherries. And I sat in there and I would eat until my tummy would almost bust. And nobody knew about this tree in the cemetery but me. And then, whenever we wanted a Christmas tree, my mom and daddy. Stepdad, never knew where I got my Christmas tree. In the cemetery grew the prettiest trees you've ever seen. And they were big, but at the top, they were perfectly shaped. And so I would climb up that tree, and I would cut down my 
Christmas tree. And it was perfectly shaped. And I would take it home. Mom would say, where would you get that? I was just down the road. And then somebody else liked my Christmas tree. So I cut down a few more trees <laughs> for a price. And people were trying to figure out what happened to those trees in the cemetery. <laughs> did I tell? No, I did not tell. You said, that was wrong. You got it right. I never told you I had been perfect all my life, just until last year. <laughs> but you see, there's times when you realize you don't have much and you don't consider whatever you do of great value. See, some people don't go to church because see, they don't put a value on it. They don't give the way they should because they don't put any value on it. They don't read their Bible because, well, I don't need to. They don't put a value on it. You see, they have misplaced their values. They got time for the world. They got time to do everything. You know what I was so blessed with yesterday? I came over here, and I had been over here for several hours, and I got ready to leave. And I walked outside, and I saw a whole bunch of cars down here at the gym. And I thought to myself, self, what are all them cars down here for? So I snuck down there, and I opened the door, and I walked in, and I saw these people in there working, working like dogs, slaves. And... They were totally destroying this room. And I caught them in the act. And they were changing everything. And they put something on this wall, and they put something on another wall, and they had it all cleaned up, and they built some desks, not desks, but some cabinets, and put them in. And, and there was uh, Jesse and his wife, and Mr. Uh, Yant and his wife, and Jan and his wife, and a couple little kids running over, and, and they were in it, and they were working. I thought, this is so fantastic. This is called family time, quality time. I thought, they could have gone to the beach and wasted all that time, but now there's a result that'll last forever in that room. And they accomplished something, and it looks good, and they weren't destroying the room after all. But before they got a chance to put me to work, I had to leave. And so anyway, I appreciate them coming and doing a lot of good hard work. But they're doing what they can do, and I appreciate that. And they don't have a lot of time off. That's their, some of them, that's the only day they got off. But they spent it over here doing this, and so I appreciate them. Now, I want you to look at the next statement where he says, As poor, making many rich. Now, I want you to take your Bible and look at this scripture with me. Look there in the book of 2 Corinthians and chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. You may consider yourself poor as far as the things of this world are concerned. But notice what we have here and understand the value of this in chapter 6 in verse 1. We then, as, see that word in verse 1, workers together with him. That is a very valuable position is to be with him and working together. Working together for the Lord. You see, that's what they were doing yesterday, and I was proud of that. I was glad to see. Taking Jesse's time off. Well, probably his wife made him do it. Mother-in-law. Your mother-in-law did. <laughs> now, he has a mother-in-law. I guarantee you that. And so it says here in verse 3, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. You see, you have a ministry. I have a ministry. This church is a ministry. 
But we don't want to live in such a way that we bring shame to the ministry or shame to yourself or shame to the Lord. Because we're workers or labors together with God. And God knows what we have and what we do not have. And so look what he says here in verse 4. But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, necessities, in distresses, in stripes, imprisonment, in tumults, in labors, in watching, in fasting. Now, there's a lot of things that's going to happen to you in life. And through all this experience, you're going to learn something. And everything you learn by either the supplying of your needs or the diminishing of your needs, you're going to learn how to be faithful. And you're going to find out that uh, tribulation work is patience. You're going to learn valuable lessons that many people will never learn. You see, as you live your Christian life, you are being enriched, becoming valuable in the hands of God. And as you get older, you're supposed to be richer than you've ever been in your life. Now, I'll show you that in just a second. So look down here in verse 10. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. In other words, even though things happen in your life, and there can be a lot of sorrow and hurt and pain, as poor, yet making many rich, having nothing, and yet possessing all things. There must be a difference in what we're talking about. You're poor, but you're rich. You don't have anything, but you possess all things. So there must be a difference in the treasures of this world and the treasures in the next. Lay up treasures in heaven. Lay not up treasures upon the earth. So there has to be a difference. So you're trading your treasures. And there's a song that we used to sing in camp. And they would, the kids would sing it. I very seldom ever sung it because that's why I can't remember. It's just called, I'm Trading My Sorrows. But that's all the part I know. I don't know any more than that song. I just, I'm trading my sorrow. I'm trading my shame or I'm trading something for the joy of the Lord. I'm giving up something for something that's supposed to be better. So you're giving up something here for something better that's going to last a long time. Look at the next statement. Trading our treasures, growing in the Lord is learning to trade our temporary treasures for eternal treasures. As we grow older, we reveal our wisdom by the choices we make. Our choices reveal its value. Because in your life, aren't you always making decisions? And that decision you came down on this side is supposedly of greater value than the other option that you had. So we all got options. You are all making decisions. If you are as smart and as wise as you think you are, then you'll make the better choices, the right choices. You ever heard that good, better, best? Never let it rest till your good is better and your better best. But there's something even better. Look at the next statement. How to make people rich. Because here you are, you're a Christian. My purpose in teaching the Bible is to make all of God's people rich. You say, are you one of those uh, preachers that's, uh, you know, prosperity gospel kind of individuals? Well, I want you to be rich in the Lord. I want you to have much treasure laid up in heaven. I'm not interested in you um, running to your mailbox and see if that $10,000 check came in. That's not what I'm talking about. So look at the next statement. Underneath that little statement, how to make people rich, we have much to give 
because we have been given much. Now, over the years, God gives you more. So you ought to be richer today than you were last year. Let me show you. There are lessons we have learned from walking in the light, and there are lessons we have learned from walking in the flesh. When you have rebelled against God, didn't you learn something? When you walk in the Spirit and obey the Lord, didn't you learn something? Don't you think those lessons you have learned are valuable? When you obeyed the Lord, that's valuable. When you disobeyed the Lord, you still learned some valuable lessons, or you should have learned. Some people live and learn, and some people live and never learn. Look at the next statement. Because he makes this statement in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. When you're talking about darkness, it means you were lost. You were in the dark. Where are you going to die? I don't know. You're lost. So you're in the dark. And so the flesh, your first birth, is in the dark. You trusted Christ as Savior. God put you in the light. Now you know. But some people who know they're going to heaven walk in the dark. They walk in the flesh. So God says, because you're now children of the light, walk in the light. So one of my responsibilities is to try to get God's people to walk in the light. So when they go home, they're going home in the light. And you don't want to go home in the dark. In other words, to keep you and get you over the finish line without walking in the dark. Trying to challenge and motivate God's people, walk with the Lord. Walk in the truth of God's light. Now look at the next statement. All fruit are the manifestation of God's love. You see, if you love the Lord, then all these other things will take care of themselves. And so the fruits of the Spirit are fruits to give. In the book of Galatians, in chapter 5, talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and so on. The, those fruits of the Spirit are fruits that God gave to me to give to somebody else. So you are richer than you know. Did you know that majority of people in this life, they need something? Look in the first one I wrote here. We can give patience. Because our tribulation has taught us patience from our Heavenly Father. Hasn't God taught you some patience? And now, what do you have to give that makes you valuable? You've got some patience to give. Sometimes your wife might need a little patience. Maybe not a lot, maybe just a little. Can you afford to give it to her? How rich are you? See, God gave us these things so that we can give others these things that he has made us rich. Though you're poor, you don't have much of the world's good, but you're rich because of what God's given to you. And look at number two. We can give compassion. I told the kids in college in chapter uh, 9 of the book of Matthew when he talks about, and he looked upon the multitude and was moved with compassion on them because they were like sheep having no shepherd. Having compassion in the book of Jude where he talks about making a difference, having compassion, pulling them out of the fire. You see, you may not have a lot of money, but can you demonstrate compassion on somebody? Do you ever give compassion? Do you feel they're hurt? Do you really care? Have you ever shown your kids compassion? Or are you just all strict law? They don't deserve it. Or you hate the kids, or you hate your wife, you hate your husband, you hate the people that work. You see, that has nothing to do with you. Pay the price. 
they may need something very valuable, like uh, the next word is, we can give forgiveness. Can you give somebody forgiveness? Can you forgive them? See, it's, a lot of people don't, they can't afford to do that. And they won't do that. But see, you're rich. God has forgiven you. And because God has forgiven you, for Christ's sake, you can forgive somebody else. You see, some people need this more than they need money in the bank, more than they need a new car, more than they need a new job, more than they need a house. They need forgiveness. See, you're rich. You have something to give, but see, most of God's people won't give it because they don't, that's not valuable. Yes, those are valuable items because that's the fruit of the Spirit. That's what God gave to you, some fruit to give. And so you can't say, well, I don't have any to give. Well, why not? Look at the next thing then. We can give understanding because we have received understanding from our Heavenly Father. Sometimes people just want to talk. And they just want you to listen. They just want you to know how they think and feel. The hurt, the pain. They just want you to understand. Can you afford to give somebody a little of that? You'd be surprised how it can enlighten your life. And you're richer than you know. And you don't have to worry about the the money of this world. God may give you some, and God can take it away. But these are things that man cannot take away from you. That spirit of love that you have, man can't take that away. Compassion, man can't take that away from you. Because, see, these are greater values to have in your life. And the last thing, we can give joy because we have received joy from our Heavenly Father. Christ says, my joy I give. The book of John. And no man can take away that joy. We can give love because we have received love from our Heavenly Father. Can you love the lost man? Didn't somebody love you? And God has enriched our lives. The last line that I got down here. Our race to run means crossing the finish line. Walking in the light. But also helping others make it home without walking in the dark. Now, let me just mention this to you. Let's just say, for example, I've known Bob Brooks here for years. Long time. Me and Bob are both getting up there in age. Not only do I want to cross the finish line in the light, me serving the Lord. I want to do everything that I can to help Bob cross the finish line in the light. We got a young man right down here, Jesse Martinez. I not only want him to you know, serve the Lord, but I want him to finish his race walking in the light. I don't want God's children walking in the flesh, walking in the dark. I don't want you losing your way. I don't want you to become a stumbling block to others. I want you to live above reproach. And I want to try to do everything in my power while I can to help every person in this room cross that finish line. Because we don't know where the finish line is. And everybody needs help. And everybody in this room has something to give. You are of great value. And there's people who need some of these valuable lessons that God has taught you. Look up here. This hand represents you and me and the wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. Now he hates our sin, but he loves us. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in hell. But God doesn't want us to go to hell. 
He loves us, wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we've got to be perfect as righteous as God. Nobody's perfect. We've all come short of God's perfection. We've all sinned. We've all failed. And we're all guilty. And we're just waiting for the day of execution. One day we're going to die. But God wants us to have this eternal life. But we can't earn it. We can't work our way to heaven. With man, this is totally impossible. He cannot save himself. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. Now, he hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. But because he loved us, he took our sins, paid for them on the cross. Our value is revealed by the price he was willing to pay. So if he was willing to die for you, give his life for you, you realize how valuable you are to God? Don't you belittle who you are and what you are. You are precious in the eyes of the Lord. He came back from the dead and he said, whosoever would believe that he did it for them. He would put this payment to their account and you could go to heaven on what Christ did for you. He loves you that much. You see, he had love and therefore he can give love. If you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, I pray that you'll do it today, right now. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around. And if you're watching by internet, remember the only thing you have to do, it's the only thing you can do, and that is to trust the Lord. God loves you. Send his son to pay for your sins. He came back from the dead, and all he wants you to do is believe he did it for you. I pray that you'll do so. And right on the screen says, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior. I pray that you'll do that. For you that are in the auditorium, you may have heard this a thousand times, but have you really ever trusted Christ as your Savior? If you were to die right now, would you go to heaven? I pray that you would. But if you haven't done so, why not do it right now? Just between you and the Lord, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I believe that when Christ died, he died for me. And I'm going to trust him right now as my Savior. And friend, if you're making that decision, I'd like to pray for you. I'm going to ask you if you'll just slip your hand in very quickly. It just lets me know that you're trusting Christ as your Savior. And I'd like to have prayer for you. If you've never done it before and you'll do it right now, would you just slip your hand in very quickly? And we're all. Not going to have you forward. Not going to embarrass you. You that know Christ as your Savior, do you see how rich you really are? Do you see how poor the people in this world really are? I don't care if they're millionaires and billionaires. If they don't know the Lord, they're poor. And we are rich because we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Father, thank you so much for this time together. Thank you for blessing each one here. Bless those that are watching by internet. We just want them to understand how much you really love them. And thank you for this time together. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.